Welcome back to Heroes of the Faith, a show where we are inspired by the lives of the saints so that we can become saints ourselves. I'm your host, Isaac Longworth, and this one time I was at a pro-life conference and I ended up talking with a young guy who was there. And as sometimes happens, because I'm a seminarian, uh, sometimes people come up to me and they just start telling me things about their life, uh, even though I don't know them, that maybe they've never told anyone before. And this exact thing happened with this guy. And he began sharing really vulnerably about some of the struggles he was going through in his life. And he actually got really emotional and was tearing up as he told me that he was struggling with an addiction to pornography, an addiction that had been with him for many years. And I could tell he was really ashamed about it because he knew it was wrong. And actually it disgusted him and it disgusted him that he was even into this stuff and, and he wanted to break out of it, but he just couldn't seem to break the habit. And it would lead him into bouts of depression and he had no idea what he was supposed to do about it. And honestly, he was hopeless. He was hopeless thinking that he would be trapped in this forever because he would act out and then the shame would kick in which would make him feel bad. So he would want to medicate himself from that pain, which would keep leading him back to the addiction over and over again. And man, my heart went out to this guy. I, I really felt for him. And I was able to pray with him then and there that the Holy Spirit would be unleashed in his life to break through this addiction. And I was able to encourage him and just say, don't give up. You know, keep fighting for what is good. Don't give up because there is freedom for you. You don't have to stay trapped in this forever. Jesus has the power to heal you. And you know what? He's not alone. In our world today, there is so much lust and impurity being injected into the culture that many people have become trapped in this dark lifestyle and they just can't break out of it. And that's why I'm so excited to share with you the story of our saint today, St. Mary of Egypt, because she also was someone who was trapped in slavery to lust. But her powerful story of healing and deliverance is, I believe, incredibly inspiring for people today who find themselves in a similar situation. Now, Mary was born in Egypt around the year 344 AD, and she was raised in a Christian home. But when she was a young teenager, she ran away from her home to the big Egyptian city of Alexandria. Because Mary, like many young people today, wanted to live life on her own terms. She wanted to live a life of adventure and pleasure in the big city, away from the rules and inhibitions of her Christian parents, who were trying their best to raise her well. And so upon moving to Alexandria, she began to live what she thought was life to the fullest. This wild and sinful life that would have shamed her parents if they knew the half of what she was getting up to. She lived a life of great impurity. She went from one sexual partner to another, one relationship to the next, and she began to drink heavily, eventually becoming trapped in the dark life of alcoholism. And her life began to spiral out of control. 
Now, over the years, Mary became bored with the common life that she was living and her sexual activity became even more disordered as she was forced to chase after the next thrilling thing that she thought would satisfy her growing addiction to lust. She began to subject herself to increasingly perverted and dehumanizing acts. Later on, when writing about this period in her life, Mary wrote, I had an insatiable desire and an irrepressible passion for lying in filth. This was life to me. Every kind of abuse of nature I regarded as life, and that is how I lived. And so from these words, we can tell that Mary was truly a very sick woman. She was trapped in addiction to sex, trapped in addiction to alcohol that kept getting more and more out of control. Eventually, even though she had a low-paying job spinning flax in the city, she began to have to sell her body for money on the side. She became a street prostitute in order to earn some extra cash to be able to pay for her drinking habits. And yet Mary was in such a twisted state and she was so blinded by lust that sometimes she would not even charge her customers so that her reputation as being cheap would spread through the city, ensuring that she would never be alone for very long. And again, Mary, in her own words, described this in her life. And she said, often when they wished to pay me, I refused the money. I acted in this way so as to make as many men as possible try to obtain me, doing free of charge what gave me pleasure. And so this life lasted for 17 years. And during this period of her life, she had lost all respect for herself. She treated her own body and the bodies of others merely as objects to get pleasure from. Now, one day, Mary saw a great crowd of people, and they were all heading to the shipyards of the city to board boats to go out onto the sea. And she was curious about where everyone was going altogether. And so she mingled with the crowd and she asked some of them, Where are you going? And she learned that they were going on a pilgrimage to the holy city of Jerusalem in Israel to celebrate the Christian feast of the exaltation of the cross, which was a feast commemorating the death of Jesus. And there was going to be a huge celebration in the city because they would actually get to see the actual wood of the cross that Jesus died on. It would be on display in Jerusalem. So sensing the adventure in the air, Mary wanted to go. Not so much because she was interested in seeing Jesus's cross, but because of the experience that a trip like this would be. And so she asked to go with them, but they said that she needed money to pay her way, just like everyone else. And so Mary offered the only thing that she knew how to offer. She offered her body as a price. And she shamelessly wandered through the crowd, approaching groups of men and asking if they would pay for her ticket if she agreed to be their escort for the journey. And eventually she found a group of men who were debased enough to agree to let her stay with them on the ship on those terms. And again, Mary described in her own words what happened on the ship. She said, how shall I relate to you what happened after this? What tongue can tell you? What ears can take in all that took place on the boat during that voyage? Through all this, I frequently forced those miserable youths even against their own will. There is no mentionable or unmentionable depravity of which I was not their teacher. And so Mary is living this depraved life 
and this horrible existence that she's in. And she makes it to Jerusalem. She makes it to Jerusalem by selling her own body to pilgrims on their way. And when they got to Jerusalem, Mary didn't slow down in her depravity even there. She boldly approached groups of men, tried to seduce them. It didn't matter to her that they were on a holy pilgrimage to pay respects to the cross of Jesus. She had a one-track mind, the mind of an addict. And on the day of the celebration, she went with all of the other crowds to the church to see the wood of the cross being displayed. But when she got to the doors of the church where the cross was about to be unveiled, something unexpected happened. You see, as much as she tried to get through the entrance of the door, some invisible force kept her physically from going through. And so at first, in disbelief, because she can't believe this is happening to her, she thought that this must just be the force of the crowd of pilgrims pushing her back somehow. But after trying several times until she was physically exhausted, she realized that something supernatural was going on. And so she went to the side of the building in a state of shock and began to think about why this was happening to her until eventually it hit her. It hit her that she was too impure to enter into such a holy place. And when she finally allowed this thought to sink in, all of the guilt that she had been repressing for years finally bubbled to the surface. And she began to sob out of shame for her life of impurity. And looking up through her tears, she saw on the side of the church a painting of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And out of a place of pure heartbreak and pure desperation, Mary of Egypt looked up at that picture of Mary and prayed one of her first real prayers to the mother of God, the perfectly pure Virgin Mary. And this is the prayer that she said, and I want to read it to you in full so that you can get at the heart of what Mary of Egypt was feeling. She prayed, O lady, mother of God, who gave birth in the flesh to God the word, I know, oh, how well I know that it is no honor or praise to you when one so impure and depraved as me looks up to your image. O ever virgin who kept your body and soul in purity, Rightly do I inspire hatred and disgust before your virginal purity. But I have heard that God, who was born of you, became man on purpose to call sinners to repentance. So help me, for I have no other help. Order that the entrance of the church be open to me. Allow me to see the venerable cross on which he who was born of you suffered in the flesh and on which he shed his holy blood for the redemption of sinners like me, unworthy as I am. Be my faithful witness before your son that I will never again defile my body by impurity or fornication. But as soon as I have seen the tree of the cross, I will renounce this world and its temptations and will go wherever you lead me. And I find this prayer just so heartfelt so beautiful. She's basically saying, Mary, you are sinless and pure. You remained a virgin and yet you became the mother of Jesus. I don't dare to speak to you, but listen, I'm going to do it anyways, because I've heard that Jesus came for people like me, sinners 
like me. I've heard that the whole purpose of him becoming man was to die on the cross, to offer his holy blood as a price for redemption for sinners who had rebelled against God. And Mary of Egypt is saying, look, if you allow me this sign of being able to enter the church and see the cross that Jesus died on for me, I'll repent. I'll leave my life of lust behind. I'll change my ways. I'll change my life and I'll become the saint that I was called to be. Just help me, mother of God. So she prays this prayer and then she goes to test it out. She goes to the door of the church to try one more time to enter. And this time she was able to get through. Mary, the mother of God, the pure ever virgin queen of heaven had heard Mary of Egypt's prayer and allowed her to enter into the church. And Mary of Egypt was able to look up at the actual wood in the cross that Jesus died on. But now it wasn't just a tourist attraction for her. Now she looked at it with the eyes of faith. She looked on this cross and realized that even though she had lived a life of impurity, a life of wild rebellion towards God, that she had used God's gift of sexuality as a cheap kind of object of pleasure, that she had abused herself in shameful ways, that she had abused and mistreated other people. Despite all of these sins, Jesus had come to die for her. That the pure had come to die for the impure, the sinless in place of the sinner, and his blood was the price that set her free. And so Mary described how she fell to her knees and she was actually physically shaking when she realized the awesomeness of Jesus's mercy. And when she walked out of that church, she walked out a completely changed woman. She was committed to being obedient to wherever Mary, the mother of Jesus, wanted her to go. She had been led to Jesus by Mother Mary and so she trusted that she would continue to lead her as she embraced this new life as a Christian of faith. So she went back to the picture of Mary and began to pray there again. And when she did so, she heard these words from Mary herself saying, if you cross the river Jordan, you will find glorious rest. And so Mary of Egypt thought to herself, well, I told her that I would be obedient to wherever she wanted me to go. And so she was obedient. She went into the desert beyond the Jordan river and walked away from the world. She took with her only some bread and some water and she began to live a life in the desert that was as far away from the temptations of sin as she could be. She basically went into a kind of rehab program. If you think about it, she went into the desert where there was literally nothing, no distractions, no opportunities for sin in order to be led in this period of healing and deliverance by God himself. Now, while she was in the desert, she ate very little She prayed for long periods of time. She avoided any kind of contact with people that would tempt her to go back to her old ways. And she was committed to changing her life and living in obedience to God from now on. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't as if her desires just disappeared overnight. She had to go through a period of intense withdrawal both from her sex and also from her alcohol addictions. Her mind and her body continued to crave the lust and alcohol that she had abused herself with for years. 
This was how she had been able to go through life. This is how she had dulled the pain of life with these self-medicating things. And now they were gone. And so she describes what this period in the desert was like, describing how impure songs that she had sung with her friends at parties would run through her head in loops for days and days. At times, it felt like she was going to go crazy from all the temptations. And she was so tempted to just return back to the city and take up her old life. But in times like this, in desperation, she stayed close to her namesake, Mary, the mother of God. Often she would spend the whole night in prayer, laying on the ground, crying and sobbing and praying, asking the Lord to defend her from these horrible temptations to go back to her past. But the Virgin Mary continued to help her stay strong. And gradually over the years in the desert, Mary of Egypt was healed of her addictions and she lived her life for 17 years in the desert. She spent the rest of her life, in fact, in the wilderness, growing in her relationship with the Lord who had rescued her from her life of sin until eventually she died when she was in her late 40s. Now, the life of Mary of Egypt is, like I said, so inspiring for us today because there are so many people who are trapped in a life of lust just like Mary was. And this can take so many different shapes and forms depending on the person. Right now, we live in a culture where fornication, sleeping around with various people, hookup culture is prevalent, and many people have become trapped in this kind of lifestyle. Pornography and self-abuse, completely being selfish, turning inward to yourself, using yourself as an object of lust and pleasure is also incredibly prevalent nowadays along with a whole other host of disordered acts and fetishes that are being celebrated and normalized in our culture. I don't want to get into all of them, but there is a sense nowadays where there is no shame about any of this, but rather a perverse kind of pride. And these sins of impurity are extremely dangerous. Extremely dangerous because not only do they wound ourselves, but because they hurt those around us and they kill, quite literally, our relationship with God. Sins of impurity train people to view others not as human beings who are worthy of dignity, worthy of love because they're made in the image of God, but rather sins of impurity train people to view others as objects, objects that can be manipulated, can be controlled, can be bought, can be owned in order for you to have fun. And if you persist in this long enough, just like it did for Mary, it can become an addiction an addiction that is very difficult to break. We don't always think of lust as a kind of addiction. We don't speak about it often in terms of addiction like a drug or alcohol, and yet it's true. Scientists now know that you can become addicted to the release of chemicals like dopamine in your brain, pleasure chemicals basically, that give you a kind of high when you are engaging in lustful activities. And it can be very hard to quit if it becomes a habit and your brain begins to crave these chemicals. And so it leads you into more and more perverse things in order to reach that same thrill. Addictions escalate by nature. What formerly excited you in the past no longer has the same rush of dopamine. And so people seek out more and more bizarre and disordered acts in order to get to the same high that they felt before which leads many people into places of darkness that they never thought they would end up in. 
people can also become addicted to that sense of being loved, of feeling worthy or beautiful or successful that comes with relationships of impurity. And so people end up giving their body over to someone else in order as a kind of price to get that self-worth that they're craving. And of course, all of these sins of impurity don't just have consequences in this life, but ultimately they have consequences in the next life as well. Because impurity and lust lead to the terrifying reality of being separated from God for all eternity. And this was the situation that Mary found herself in. She was trapped. She was in bondage in a life of serious sexual immorality and depravity that seemed inescapable. It seemed like something she just couldn't break out of. She couldn't do on her own power. She was living a kind of hell on earth that was leading her slowly but surely to a fate of eternal hell after her death. This was the state she was in. And yet Mary is not beyond redemption at this lowest point in her life because she says yes to God. She says yes to Jesus's call to leave that life behind and to be washed in his mercy that he won for her on the cross. And when she said yes to Jesus, he gave her the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that began to live in her and work on her from the inside. And he began to purify her and heal her so that she was able to become the saint, the great saint that she is today. It certainly wasn't easy. She still had to go through painful withdrawal. She still had to fight temptations for years in a desert. But she didn't give up. She never gave up. And she didn't rely on her own strength either. She relied on Jesus, his grace, and his power to rescue her. And so her story gives us hope because it shows that Jesus is able to save people who have been trapped in patterns of impurity that there's no sin that he can't forgive, that there's no shame he can't wash away, that there's no past that he can't redeem you from. If a person truly turns to him with a broken heart and asks for mercy, Jesus is there waiting for them. He did it for the life of Mary. He did it for her and she became a great saint. And so we all can become great saints as well if we allow his grace to come into our lives just like it did for her. So let's pray for that grace right now. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Mary of Egypt, you lived a life formerly of shame and degradation that really never fulfilled your craving for intimacy. It never fulfilled your deep longing for love. Lord, Through the intercession of St. Mary of Egypt, I pray that every single person that is ashamed of their sexual past would come to you. That like Mary, they would find the unconditional love that they're looking for, not in giving away their bodies to others at a price, but in Jesus, who gave his life away on the cross for them. Mary, you were trapped in a cycle of lust that kept you enslaved in addiction. And I want to pray right now for anyone, especially anyone who is listening, who is currently living in a life of bondage to any kind of sin of impurity, whether it be hookup culture, any kind of sexual disorder or pornography or anything else that is a twisting of the gift of sexuality that God has given to each one of us. I pray for you now that like Mary of Egypt, 
you would experience the power of God to set you free from your past so that you can live a life of freedom in Christ. And I pray that the Virgin Mary, who was able to lead Mary to her son, would also be able to lead you to Jesus, lead you to the cross, so that you can experience his unconditional love, his unconditional forgiveness in your life. Mary of Egypt, you were a prostitute who sold your body to others as if you were an object, all before God rescued you by his grace. And Lord, I want to pray right now for all those throughout the world who are still being sold through the evil and wicked trade of human trafficking. That every single man, woman, and child who is trapped in that cycle of being sold, that they would be rescued by the power of God and that people everywhere would recognize them as human beings who are made in the image of God, who deserve respect and love rather than being sold on the market. St. Mary of Egypt, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.